0: What's going on everyone and welcome in to another edition of B-Shape Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you in the evening hours of Saturday, April 8th, 2023 as the Cardinals Saturday night took on the Milwaukee Brewers and in game two are able to find their stride as the Cardinals knocked off Milwaukee 6-0 behind Jordan mott as I think he should be deemed after a really masterful performance for the Cardinals starter, seven innings. Nine strikeouts, uh, no runs, which the Cardinals really needed an outing like that from Jordan Montgomery. And we talked about it tonight on the live stream from YouTube. And so, being that it's the weekend, we're going to go ahead and run that back once again. A lot of good conversation took place during the stream. We're going to play that on B-Shape Daily. Some of the topics you have to look forward to. Jordan Montgomery, obviously. Uh, Jordan Walker hitting his second home run of the season. Just continuing to do damage. And we even saw a little bit of the, the big the big guns get going, right, with Arenado's home run. He gets number 300 tonight, which was, I think, important to maybe get the monkey off of his back, chasing that milestone, and the Cardinals' offense really coming through and being kind of the offense that we saw from them last weekend, opening weekend against Toronto at Bush. So things looking good. And we also got into sort of a deep dive on the 2024 starting rotation. I tried to name five guys. I had a little bit of trouble with it, but I'll, I'll tell you who I sort of think ends up in the rotation, and we'll kind of go over a few. uh, The commenters were coming up with trade targets potentially that the Cardinals could go after. Yes, Shohei Otani's name comes up. So a lot of fun stuff to get to on the show tonight. So appreciate you guys for listening. Make sure that you subscribe to uh, the YouTube, first of all, if you haven't done it, and then you won't miss these live when they happen. Uh, Typically after road games, if I don't have anything going on, it's a great way to be able to interact with listeners and so i've enjoyed doing that the last couple of nights so subscribe the youtube channel once again is youtube.com slash at 12 if you're digging all my content patreon.com slash Shafer 12 is a way you can uh show me that kind of support would love to have you on board as a patron uh and and we'll get more content going on patreon too but right now it's really fun getting the youtube going um and and that's free to everybody so Wanted to make sure that I prioritize that for a little bit. But if you really are extra excited about things, Patreon's the way to go. But just subscribe, too, to the podcast. Spotify and Apple, as usual, if you haven't done so, would love to have you on board there. But without further ado, we're going to take you into uh, what went down on the live stream from YouTube on Saturday night as the Cardinals beat the Brewers 6 nothing. But I'm just going to kick it off from here. Uh, Corey, your, your panic meter went back down. That's good. That's good. And I I said yesterday, what did I say? A four or a five when I was asked that question about the panic meter. And I think that was probably even a little bit excessive. But the thing that was key for me was that the Cardinals would just get the one, get the wind to stop the slide. And then suddenly doesn't everything feel and look a lot differently? Isn't that kind of the way these things go? And so when they're able to get the win tonight and do so in a pretty convincing fashion, life's good, right? Everybody feels a little bit better about the way things are trending. You've still got that gap in the division, but it's early April. I mean, we're not even to the middle of April yet. Uh, once you join the stream, I see the numbers going up a little bit. Comment. Let me know that you're here. I want to see who's uh, who's here. Don't be shy about being in the chat. Uh, we've got a handful of of y'all already chatting, and I appreciate that. J-Rose in. Um, yeah. Arenado was sitting on 299 for a good long while and getting number 300 out of the way, I think, might do wonders for him. You could just kind of tell that tonight would be maybe a game that the big bats could break out a little bit. And Goldschmidt, man, he almost found one himself. It was hilarious. I was about what's up, Dominic. I was about to tweet it out. I I even sent like the screenshot of what was on my phone when Goldschmidt swung and basically missed a home run by about three feet. I, I just felt like against a lefty, it felt like they one of those guys was about to get one. And Arnado almost had one in, in the previous at bat when it went just foul. And it felt like, man, this guy cannot catch a break right now. He He's just been, you know, it's a long season, but at the beginning of the season, when it's not going your way and your numbers reflect that, it can be really difficult no matter who you are. Arenado is, you know, a proven stud in this game, and his OPS was like 600 or whatever it was. So, yeah, maybe a little bit of frustration starting to mount when you're not performing the way that you know you're capable and the numbers reflect that. Uh, but then for Arenado to be able to take some good swings tonight, obviously the home run gets the monkey off the back. Number 300, nice milestone for Nolan. Uh, but again, he had other swings that were quality and, and just didn't go out. All right, guys, appreciate you guys for being in here. I'm going to scroll through the comments as we get them. But first things first, uh, if you would like the stream, that helps. I think more people see it on YouTube if you if you put a like on there. And so if uh, if y'all would like it and subscribe to the channel if you haven't done that yet. It's been awesome. The channel has basically doubled in numbers overnight uh, since like 24 hours ago when I kicked off the stream because of you guys for watching and watching the videos that I've been putting out. So that's fantastic. It is a huge help to me. Uh, it's probably going to take a long, long time for me to monetize and get anything out of this, uh, this stream. But my goal is that if I, if I work hard, I give you guys content that you consider worthwhile, Maybe someday I can make a little bit of money from this, and uh, and that could be helpful. So, appreciate y'all for liking and subscribing. I'm going to go right into the comments. Obviously, we're going to talk a lot about Jordan Montgomery tonight because, wow, 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 was he good. He's, he's had that in him, and the first start he had this season was just a little bit rocky at the beginning. He really did figure it out in the latter innings of that game at Bush last week, but that's frustrating, I think, for a guy who you go all offseason – and you know what you're capable of. You're in a contract year, by the way. Uh, a lot of, I saw a lot of comments today that were like, yeah, the Cardinals should have uh, should have signed him in the offseason to that extension, right? I'm sure we can dissect and talk about maybe why that didn't happen. Uh, Scott Boris, I think, is one of the reasons for that. But if you're Jordan Montgomery, or more uh, more aptly named Jordan Montshovery, as I uh, coined him tonight because he shoved, if you're in that situation and you don't have a, a great first start, it can, it, you know, it doesn't feel good. But to be able to come out the way he did tonight, what do you have? Nine strikeouts, seven shutout innings for Montgomery. That is the kind of start the Cardinals needed from somebody. It didn't really matter who it came from, but they needed somebody to get the ball rolling. And Monty did that tonight. Seven innings, three hits allowed, two walks allowed. Uh, so he kept the traffic to a minimum on the base paths. Nine strikeouts for Jordan Montgomery. Uh, yep, that'll play. And that's the kind of workhorse I think the Cardinals know that he can be. Uh, so really good to see him be able to do that tonight. Let's see some of the comments, though. Uh, yeah, Drew Verhagen, I've been telling y'all, I've been telling y'all, back into spring training, I said, I, I think the first tweet I sent was a video that John Denton of MLB.com had tweeted out of Verhagen facing Jordan Walker in spring. I think he struck him out, or it was a, a good result for Verhagen. And I said, Drew I call him Drew I don't know why. It's like the capital H in his last name, something about it. I combine the Drew and the Ver, and that's what I call him. Droover, Cy season, and y'all just don't know it yet. I'm telling you, I feel very pretty good about that prediction, honestly. Uh, He's not going to win the Cy Young, but he could be a very important part of what the Cardinals are doing this year. No doubt about it. Uh, Let's see, let's see. Series finale tomorrow, you win it, feels even more than fine. You're totally right, Corey. Um, Especially because the Brewers, like, if this series would have really gone bad for the Cardinals, like, let's say, a a sweep that doesn't go the way you want it to, sweep for the Brewers, suddenly what would their record have been like eight and one and the Cardinals would be like two and seven. So that again, it's mid April at that point, but you don't want to have to make up a six or seven game deficit over the course of a season. Cardinals could do it. I think they're going to handily be ahead of the Brewers by the, by the time it's all said and done. But if you leave the first week and a half down seven games or whatever it would have been. Yeah. You're, you're going to start to panic a little bit. And so that's why when I thought the panic button question yesterday was great because for me it really was like a four or a five, like a four and a half, because you can easily win one game and suddenly it's back down to a two or a three, which means there is no panic whatsoever, right? You start getting into those middle numbers, then it's like, okay, I'm not panicking, but I'm paying attention and and getting a little bit concerned. I don't think the rotation, I've been saying this, I don't think the rotation is going to be as bad as it looked over the first week against the, the Blue Jays and Braves, but I also... Recognize why people are concerned about the rotation because there are question marks throughout it and you don't have that bonafide ace. You don't have that guy that you're confident throughout the, the course of six months is going to be, you know, a 2.5 ERA is going to win 17 to 20 games, which I know the pitcher win is meaningless as a stat. But you didn't have that guy on staff coming into this year that I think you were super confident was going to get there. Excuse me for a moment. Sorry about that. And so for the Cardinals, to be able to see one go in, to be able to see somebody pitch like that ace even once, I think that was something that needed to happen to allow everybody to just kind of relax and then maybe reset a little bit in terms of now the rest of the rotation has seen what it looks like. And they know what it looks like, but this year nobody had done it. And so a lot of times when you hear about a rotation that's really going well, they talk about the competition internally with one another. They're all trying to one-up what the last guy did when everybody is struggling, don't you feel as though that mentality could be something that's a little bit pervasive? Yeah, I think that's human nature. That's reasonable. So the fact that they were able to have Jordan Montgomery do what he did tonight and kind of stop the bleeding a little bit, I think that's going to allow everybody else to sort of take a breath and go, all right, now I just have to do my job next. And I guess tomorrow's Jake Woodford, his chance to do his job. Uh, And and if he, like, imagine, again, he's like the five-starter coming into the year. People don't have a a huge confidence level in him probably, but imagine if he ends up having a really strong outing after the first one that wasn't very good. And then you go, oh, suddenly you've got him working it. You've got Adam Wainwright coming back here before too long. Everybody feels a little differently about the rotation at that point, right? So I think this was an important outing. It had to happen eventually. And the longer you waited until it happened, I think the more of a hole the Cardinals would have found themselves in. And, you know, he was able to do it. And the the offense came through too tonight. Like that's the other part of this that – By setting the tone early with a couple of first inning runs, you're able to put your pitcher in a better position to have that kind of outing. And it shouldn't matter, right? When you're a pitcher facing a lineup, it doesn't really matter what your lineup is doing against their pitcher. That has no impact on the way you pitch. But it it does when you talk about momentum and the vibes and the feeling of, hey, I'm coming in here with a lead. and, And that makes me feel like I've got a chance to win. It shouldn't matter. But. It's a hum- again, I, I use the phrase human nature. I think it does matter. And so for the Cardinals to have basically tie- the opposite of what they have been experiencing for a number of recent games, which was getting down by multiple runs in the first couple of innings, now you had the ability to flip the script on that. Cardinals scored twice in the first inning. Uh, picking up the, the four runs in the third and, and the Arenado home run coming was really that— that put this game, I'm not going to say out of reach, because obviously there in the eighth, you had a little bit of a, a scary time with Zach Thompson, but he was able to get out of it. Um, but, you know, the bases get loaded there, and and if you get a big hit, suddenly it's the tying runs coming up to the plate or whatever the case would have been, or at least to the on-deck circle. And so it would have, you know, this game could have been lost late, but the Cardinals, by getting to six runs there in the third inning, it's hard as a team to come back from that. And the Cardinals have been on the other side of that in recent weeks, and, and they kind of have, have seen what that's looked like over the first handful of games. So... Really good job by the offense to set the tone, and then Jordan Montgomery was able to do the rest. And uh, you look up and down that lineup, it kind of looks again like what we had been saying over the first few games when, okay, you check the box of 10 hits, you check the box of everybody in the starting nine getting at least one base hit, and then you sprinkle a few walks in there as well, four walks as a team, 12 hits, four walks, you get a lot of base runners, you're going to score a lot of runs. Now they probably could have scored even more than the six runs that they got. You end up with 20 left on base, I think it was, but everybody contributing, everybody getting at least one base hit, Uh, and this was a lineup where you didn't have Gorman, you didn't have Donovan, and because the Cardinals were able to have a lead in this game, they didn't need to go to those guys late. There was a lot of conversation I saw pregame about, well, why is Jordan Walker batting eighth? You know, Taylor Motter is batting seventh. That's a little bit weird. Um, I agree that there's going to come a point in time, and we talked about this on the stream yesterday, there will come a point in time where Jordan Walker, I think, moves up in the batting order, but... If it is a decision between seventh or eighth, and you're not ready to jump him up to number two, or you're, you know, whatever it is, you're not ready to put him at number six. If that's the case, if you're talking just strictly seventh versus eighth for Jordan Walker, I actually don't mind eighth because of the way it's set up. If you were in a game that was like four to three late in the game and you needed those runs and those opportunities to score, and you couldn't afford to uh, do anything other than maximize them, well, then Taylor Motter could have Brendan Donovan or Gorman pinch hit against a right-handed reliever if they brought in a right-handed reliever in order to make sure that you didn't have a left-right matchup uh, for Walker. And you'd also have Juan Yepes there that was the DH. You could do the same thing with whoever didn't bat the first time, Donovan or Gorman. I think that would have put the Cardinals in a really nice position. But because they were able to get the lead and uh, and keep it by a pretty substantial margin, you're able to give a full day off to those guys. Uh, and and yeah, it just seems like, and I don't know, somebody would have to look this up. I can't do it because I'm live. Eric Lauer, it seems like anytime the Cardinals have faced Lauer in recent years, they've had a pretty good track record, and it stands to reason why that would be. Of course, uh, the two sluggers in the middle of the lineup, Goldschmidt and Arenado, kill lefties. Tommy Edmond kills lefties, and I love that they, they have basically a platoon lineup that they're going to be willing to roll out when there's a lefty on the mound on the other side. Edmond's going to move up, and you saw why. Two for four tonight with a run scored, set the tone as the leadoff man. I thought Dylan Carlson, I really liked his swing on the base hit that he had. One for four, reached base via walk. A couple of strikeouts for both Edmund and Carlson, but I'm not going to bag on the strikeouts too much as long as the production is also coming as well for those guys. It's a balancing act. It's 2023 Major League Baseball. You're going to see guys strike out. So I don't really worry about that too much. And yeah, you you have up and down the lineup. I think what we thought we would see from the Cardinals more consistently this year, which is just everybody pitching in, everybody contributing um, yeah maybe some more than others as I know we're gonna have a lot of people excited to talk about Jordan Walker. Guys he just keeps hitting the ball hard 355 average now two for three tonight and had the smoked home run loud off the bat loud when it clanged off of the metal or whatever the 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 structure beyond the wall is made of there in uh in, in Milwaukee. Yeah the dude I mean he would give the Cardinals a little bit of credit for knowing what I think everybody wanted to be the case which was Jordan Walker to be considered ready major league ready at opening day. Everybody felt like that was the thing, but could the Cardinals have sort of used his struggles down the stretch of spring training as an excuse of maybe why not to bring him up right away? They could have. I'm glad that, and I think, again, when people say, oh, the Cardinals always do this or what their tendencies are historically, it's another example of the Cardinals having a little bit of a different modernized approach, I think, to these circumstances, whereas in the past they may have done it differently. But also in the past, they have rarely had a prospect of Jordan Walker's caliber. Like, he's going to be really good. He's already really good. Yeah, he's going to strike out some. He's going to, you know, have days where he doesn't get a hit. I guess that's true, right? Even though the the uh, hitting streak is still uh, rolling right along at eight games now for him. I assume that eventually he'll not get a hit. Maybe. I don't know. I guess I shouldn't speak for him. It's possible that he just always gets a hit. But, yeah, he hit the, the two hits that he had tonight, the homer, and then I guess... uh the other base knock, just hard-hit baseballs. And going to the opposite field, too, on the single. Like, he's he's kind of like a perfect hitter. So, that's fun. If you're a Cardinals fan, you like that, I think. <laughs> um, all right, I'm going to chime in on the comments here because I've been just kind of talking. I wanted to, with these streams, and y'all let me know what you like because it's really for you, not it's not about me. But if you like me to sort of recap my main thoughts on the games and then dive into the comments... That's the way I could go. Or I could just literally jump right into the comments. The format is is kind of up to you guys and what you prefer. But now I am going to dive into the comments after I've sort of said my piece. Uh, yeah, Trevor <laughs> had already asked the question. See, I swear, Trevor, I hadn't seen you ask this. When will the Jordan Walker hit streak end? Some say never. Uh, yeah, it'll end eventually, presumably, but also maybe not. So that's something else to keep in mind. It'll be like year three of his major league career, and we're like, Remember when he hadn't passed DiMaggio yet, and we weren't sure, and now he's he's up to 408 games. That's pretty good. Yeah, I don't know. It's possible. He's a pretty good hitter. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, Walker. Greg, you nailed it, Greg. Walker does continue to impress. Drew, have you noticed how much the league is pitching Walker in a whole lot at the beginning of the season? Yeah, I think that's probably not too surprising trying to test him in, and you know, that's probably the way that you would try to bust a young hitter is get him inside and see if, see what he does with it at first. Um, But I think when the league recognizes that Walker is a really balanced and versatile guy and can can get to baseballs in a, a lot of the zone and like they had talked about before his hit tonight that went the opposite way, he is a guy that will use the whole field. Even though a lot of his production has come so far pulling the baseball, that's, I think, a product of the way he's being pitched, right? If he's being pitched in, if you hit it where it's pitched and you're out in front the way you want to be on it. Like Arenado, when he's at his best, he's pulling everything. That's not to say that he's not capable of being a versatile hitter. It just means that when he's locked in, you know that's what it's going to look like, especially if you give him a pitch on the inner half, he's going to know what to do with it, or a breaking ball that he was was on and is able to get out in front of like you want. I think the same thing is sort of happening with Jordan Walker, where both of his home runs, line drives to left field. So when he's on it, and, and you're trying to bust him in and you make a mistake, he'll make you pay for it for sure. Um, but as we saw there later in the game when he had the base hit, he can do other things besides just pull the baseball. And the versatility is what makes him so exciting. Uh, j Row Burleson will see less at-bats. I don't think that's true, actually. Um, and again, maybe when Lars Newpark gets back to health and he's if he's playing well, then it becomes you know a little bit tougher to find those at-bats for Burleson and maybe for Carlson as well, but I think it's Burleson and Carlson both in different positions, considering that Carlson, uh, first of all, they think more of him and what he can do against left-handed pitching rather than righties, and Burleson's sort of the opposite, and maybe that's part of why you see Carlson in left field again, which I do not agree with still. I'm not going to you know belabor the point, but if Carlson's in the game, he's my center fielder. I believe the guy that was in center field tonight has won multiple gold gloves and left. So I would be okay with putting him in left. That would be what I would do. There is no, you know, I don't agree with what the way they're doing it, but they want to see what it looks like with with O'Neal in center, and so that's what you're seeing. But when it comes to Burleson, you know he's not going to play center, and so maybe that's why they're making they're simplifying it because O'Neal, to their eyes, is playing every day. That's the way they want to want to structure it until further notice. And Carlson's going to be more of a platoon guy. Right now, Burleson has seen the other side of that platoon, and they don't even have to to make a lot of changes because they're just putting whoever it is in the second spot in the lineup. If you're facing a life a lefty, it's going to be Dylan. If you're facing a righty, it's going to be Burleson. New is probably who slides into that spot and squeezes both of those guys a little bit more, but that's the point at which I think you'll have to really start to look at Tyler O'Neill and say, is he producing to the extent that we, we need him to, or do we believe that Dylan would be uh, deserving of more of those at bats? So long story short, I guess you're right. J Rowe. Burleson will see fewer at bats. Um, but that's not by design that that Aldi Marmal wants. Like they really like him, and they like the the at bats he's giving. And I agree, like he's giving good at bats, and he's put the ball in play. He's going to be a guy that can hit for a pretty good average. Defensively, he's not, you know, he's going to be one of your lesser guys out there in an outfield that includes Carlson and O'Neill, but and Newt Barr when he's healthy. So I totally understand it, but at the same time, um, I I just wanted to kind of stump a little bit on behalf of the Cardinals and say, hey, they really do like Burleson. It's why you're seeing him get the opportunities. That he's getting into my eyes, he's been able to to sort of make good on those chances and and do a nice job in the batter's box. Uh, Trevor, I think Moder might deserve the twenty six and the forty man spot over De Young when the time comes. I mean, Moder's doing a good job. I think De Young will get his opportunity. I could see at a point later in the year, and again, I don't think it's a forty man spot because De Young's still on the forty man, so there's no crunch right now on that front. But I do think at a later point in the year, if you're seeing Modder continue to take good at-bats, and we know he's versatile, and then DeYoung gets his opportunity, even if it does come at Modder's expense for a little while, I think PDJ will have some proving to do in order to to maintain that spot. Because even though it is the 26th spot on the roster, you, you might as well have it be somebody that's contributing in a positive manner, right? If you if you have that guy in the organization, there's no reason to, uh, to belabor it too long with a guy if he's not doing it, if he's not getting the job done. So I think... Based on the you know the seniority and the opportunity that he's had, Paul DeYoung and the money is another factor of it. He's going to get the chance for sure at first, but then we'll see. We'll see how long that would last, and it, it could still be a little bit of time before DeYoung is actually ready to go. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what that looks like. I'm scrolling back up here on the comments to try and figure out where I left off. Dominic says if that's the Monty, we can look forward to seeing. That makes me feel so much better about this team. Yeah, because again, like in your mind, how do you view Jordan Montgomery in terms of one through five in the rotation? Probably like three. Don't you probably have Michaelis and maybe with your fingers crossed, Jack Flaherty ahead? But if Montgomery is your three and he's pitching like that, the Cardinals suddenly have a different looking rotation. So obviously, with the small sample size we had in the first week, people are going to freak out and say the rotation sucks and it's terrible. And it might be the truth, might be somewhere in between what we saw tonight from Monty and what we saw over the first week from everybody. Uh, But just knowing that's a possibility of having guys go out and do what he did against a pretty solid lineup against uh, the Brewers, you like to see that for sure. And when Monty has command with the sinker fastball, he's nasty because the off-speed stuff is pretty good. I think Redbirds had a good point there. Like, it's locating. It's commanding the fastball. It's commanding whatever your version of a fastball is. That's true for everybody in the rotation. Montgomery did a picture-perfect job of it tonight. I would say before tonight, most of the starters haven't. And so... If they're able to sharpen that up as a group, yeah, it's going to look pretty good. And Austin says, I'm more than concerned about the rotation. Last year, I was concerned. Yeah, I get it. But I still think there is a world in which it it looks a lot better than people expect. And I guess it's easier to say after a night of, of a guy going seven shutout and shoving. But okay, Steven Matz, like, I hate to use spring training, but you saw what he did in spring training. Steven Matz actually looked pretty good, missed a lot of bats. And look at what he did in Toronto before the Cardinals signed him. Like, he, if the, if he gives you the Toronto season from, what was that, 2021? Suddenly, with Steven Matz, you're like, oh, okay, that's our number four. Oh, and d- don't you look at the Cardinals rotation diff- differently if he ends up being able to, to pitch that way. I'm talking like a, a, even if it's like a three and a half, three point seven five. 3.75, honestly, anything sub-4 on an ERA from Steven Matz, suddenly you go, oh, okay, that's another box that's checked. Wow, this group looks deeper all of a sudden. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but... Couldn't you see it happening? And even so far, like Jack Flaherty's ERA is what, two or less than two? Uh, something like that. So I, I know he hasn't pitched to his capabilities with the 13 walks that he's allowed. So that's another guy that maybe he still turns out to be okay because while really pitching in a frustrating manner to watch, he has put together two games that kept the Cardinals alive and has have worked out. Mike Lewis is a guy that you gotta, you know, you're gonna be watching his outings, I think, with a little more scrutiny. But Miles Michaels, plenty of times over his Cardinals career, has done exactly what Jordan uh, Montgomery did tonight. Too many Jordans on this team. I forget who I'm talking about. My, hasn't Miles Michaels had those games where you go, wow, he just shoved and went eight innings and gave up one run and three hits? And Cardinals won the game because they, they got a great start out of Miles Michaels. So I don't think Miles Michaels has washed because of two bad outings. And that's another guy that. So it's really the same thing that it was with the lineup. Coming into the year with the lineup, it was like if everybody hits on their median expectation for what I think they can do. This lineup's gonna be really good. If everybody in the rotation just does like the middle ground for what they're capable, the lineup's not gonna or the rotation's not gonna be great. It's not gonna be epic. I think it can be more than serviceable until you get in October and then you go, bats, you need to hit because we we don't really love our ability to match up against other teams when it comes to the starting pitchers. And that might still be a reality, but you also might have, you know, Montgomery operating the way he did tonight. And if Flaherty's is operating the way he's capable, like the 2020 playoffs or the 20 what was it the 2019 second half? Then suddenly you go, oh okay, I feel good about two of the starters. It's really going to be about the timing of it, and so it doesn't do a lot of good to freak out about the rotation in April in terms of like what it will look like in October. Like you have to get to October first. But if you're sitting here in April going, I don't know, man, in, in game two of the the wild card series, I just don't know who we're going to throw. I think that might be a little bit extra. We've got time for them to figure that out, right? Austin says getting Wayno back is like making a trade. Don't be snarky. You don't need to be like that. Uh, the vets carried with some sauce by the others. Yeah, and, and like ultimately this lineup is going to be what Goldie and Arenado allow it to be. It's going to reach its top-end speed if those guys are who they are. But like they're not, that's not a question for anybody, is it? Those guys are going to be who they are, so just kind of be patient and wait for it and then enjoy that Jordan Walker is batting eighth and Nolan Gorman is going to be batting sixth or seventh a lot of times. And your your leadoff hitter against lefties is good enough to bat ninth against righties, and like they have good players, it's just gonna be a matter of putting it together. Uh, Dan, when Newpark comes back to the team, who's gonna have to sacrifice the at bats? It'll be a little bit of of Carlson and Burleson both, I think. Um, but and like I don't think O'Neill's run is just automatic forever. If we play, you know, we see two months of baseball or a month and a half, six weeks of baseball, and it's not great for O'Neill, obviously that should have to be scrutinized a little bit as well. So. I think it's just going to be a competition the entire season for these guys to, you know, potentially get at bats or not get at bats. A lot of everybody kind of said Bertelsen will see fewer at bats. And I think that's, you know, I think that's probably true for sure. Uh, the only a 20 degree angle on launch angle on the Walker home run from J-Rowe. Yeah, he hits line drives like he's not a home run hitter. If he starts to elevate the ball, it's over. It's over for the the rest of the league if he starts to elevate the baseball. Walker getting hit in every game for the rest of his career confirmed. That's not what I said, Dom. Come on, man. Doing me like that. Hey, guys, if you're still in here, appreciate it. Subscribe to the channel. That's the one thing that would really help me out. And like it if you haven't. I still see 15 names, 12 likes, so I'm doing some math here. I'm just saying. Uh, Notice the lineup has been taking a lot of defensive swings. I wonder what the strategy is, short-term, long-term, for that. Yeah, I mean, the Cardinals, basically the way Ollie talks about it and the way they talk about hitting is that they want to swing at good pitches. Like, when it's in the strike zone, be swinging, swing at your pitches. Don't let good pitches go by, be aggressive in the strike zone. And sometimes, you know, if you're trying to think there's the ball, I'm going to hit it. It's in the zone. It's in the spot. You know, I guess some defensive swings can come from that. If you're, if you're trying to take an aggressive approach within the zone, you'd like to see fewer, maybe defensive swings on balls that are not in the strike zone, but you know, pitchers are good in major league baseball and, you their pitches are moving and you can get it in on the hands and things can happen to you for sure. And so that can make it difficult. When I sneeze, I'm just trying to turn it off so y'all don't hear me. Uh, J-Rowe thinks Mats has the dog left in him. Hard to dispose of a sub 4-5 ERA lefty. Yeah, I agree with that. And by the way, they're paying him. So he's got $11 million for this year and then two more years after that. I know people don't love to hear that, but I think that's it's obviously going to play into things. And so, I want to talk a little bit about the 2024 rotation. I'm still kind of scrolling through to see um, what everybody's looking at here. And it, I will address this. Does Modder have options? And uh, J-Rose says Bernie said that he had some options. I think he has one option left. That's what Fangraph's roster resource says. Um, I think Modder actually thought he didn't. Have, like, the player himself thought he did not have options left. But it was kind of being discussed. And as I recall it, I, we, we looked it up. and on, Online, it says he does. And it may have been a case where he was optioned, but then later DFA'd, and so the option that year didn't actually count against him. I'm not 100% sure on that, but if I had to guess, he does have options if that ends up being the case. Um, if Tyler can hit Tyler, if Tyler can hit, if he can't hit Dylan, hit Tyler. Okay, you know, I hear what you're saying, Redbirds. If Tyler's hitting, that the decision is easy. And I think the reason the Cardinals gave Tyler the the leg up to begin the year was because they think he's going to be the better overall player, which includes offensively, whether they're right about that or not remains to be seen. Um, But I do agree that when Carlson's in the game, he should be in center field. Like I'm not disputing their belief that, that Tyler is a better hitter. He might be, I don't know that I agree with them, but I also can't dispute it because of the two Tyler has displayed and demonstrated the better upside as a major league hitter. He's done it for the full season. He was a top 10 MVP vote guy. Dylan has not done that. He's had good, you know, he's had a a very good year and then a, a fine year, um, but he has not done the, the high-end stuff that O'Neal has done. And so I think that's what the Cardinals are chasing. They're chasing that upside because that's the, that's the nature of the game in 2023. So they're giving him every opportunity to have the guy who's the stat cast darling, like he hits the ball harder than Dylan. Uh, he's, he's had the OPS over 900 before, like he's, he's been there and done that. Dylan's still grinding away, though, and the Cardinals believe he's handled everything in a very professional manner, knowing that he's not going to maybe be the guy every day. Um, that could be something that motivates Dylan. And you could see by mid season, we're talking about a completely different player in situation. So I wouldn't count any of these guys out. Uh, Carlson in particular, Tom asking, uh, who you trade. Uh, I say nobody. I don't think that I, I think you're seeing the Cardinals offense work the way it's designed. Like you have 12 guys. I'm not going to count Kisner because it's mostly going to be Contreras starting behind the plate, but then, you know, Kiz obviously is going to step in but the other guys on the bench are are able to step in and start and be starter-caliber players on a given day. And that's what works for really good teams. That's why teams like the Dodgers have had such success over the years. The Rays do it better than anybody. You could look at the Rays' lineup and be like, who the hell are these guys? I know a Rosarena. I know Wander Franco. Who are these other dudes? I don't even know who they are. Like, seriously, that's sort of the mindset that the Rays... They're like, we don't care who they are. They hit against lefties, or if they don't, they're on the bench that day, and they, the righties are going to do their thing, like... That's the way the Rays operate. So it's good to have more good players is my point. So I'm not looking to trade anybody if I'm the Cardinals unless you're getting something. Like if you need a, a dynamite starting pitcher, which I, I mean, I guess they obviously do, you could you could make a blockbuster like that. But the Cardinals historically have not been a team that is going to trade guys that are really contributing to their team um, on the hope that they can get something better. Like it's just not the way they've operated. So I don't think you see the middle infielders traded. I don't think you see... Any trades of the outfield. I think it's good to have death, and the, the Cardinals can appreciate that because they've seen what it looks like when there are injuries that happen to your team. It's not always so great. Uh, now we're, all, come on, guys. We're talking Shohei to STL now because of Newt. I don't believe that's realistic, by the way. I know that everybody's talking about oh, MLB the show. They signed Otani, so now it's going to happen. I really need to get MLB the show, but I don't think I can put enough time into it because I'm doing things like this instead of gaming. So we'll see. Oh, good question from Trevor. Do I think we'll see Kisner catch Michaelis a lot this year, similar to last year? No, I don't. I believe that when Kisner starts, it will more often than not be a Michaelis start, but, like, it happening the other day was just sort of a coincidence that made sense because they wanted to get Contreras out of their day game after a night game sort of thing. And, yeah, they those two did work well together last year. But it's from the way Ollie described it, it's not going to be like the intentional thing of every time Michael is starts, it's going to be Kisner. I think it's just going to be like when it works out, Hey, that's serendipity. They do like the way those two work together, but it's not one where they're like, they're trying to manufacture it beyond. Hey, it's a good day to get Contreras off his feet because you're not going to play your starter a day game after a night game uh, in 2023 because he's not Yachty. And even Yachty toward the end, wasn't doing those sorts of things. So uh, that's a good question that, that I think people might be wondering about. Austin did say, please give me the 24 rotation. So screw it. I'll do that. Keep commenting if you've got comments. Keep liking and subscribing to the channel. If you haven't subscribed to the channel, what are you waiting for? Um, but I'm going to I'm gonna hold off on reading comments because I'm going to try to see this through as I name the 2024 rotation. Miles Michaelis is in it. And for, I'm not even going to try to give you the order. I'm just trying to give you five names right now. Miles Michaelis is in it because they just paid him to be. Steven Matz is in it because they have already paid him to be. He's under contract, both those guys, for two more years after this one. Matthew Libertor is in it. That is what I think. Um, 10 innings and 14 strikeouts, I believe, the lines for Libby after two starts in Memphis. He looks like a different pitcher. Ollie Marmel believes he's a different pitcher. The Cardinals believe he's a different pitcher. Uh, There was a conversation in Ollie's office a few days into the season. It was the day after Libby's first start. And a question was asked, like, hey, Ollie, did you see Libertor? And you could just kind of tell the look on his face, like, yeah, he, they're they're liking what they're seeing from Libertor, and he's going to be here soon. Like, someone's going to get hurt, something's going to happen. I think he's the next guy up when they need one. Now, obviously, Wayno comes back. Then there's a Woodford question. It wouldn't surprise me if Libby can lap Woodford though, if he continues in AAA looking the way he's looking, hitting 98. Like Matthew Libertor, lefty with that kind of velo, if he can maintain that. That's why he was a top prospect. I mean, they knew it was within him. They knew he had the, the capability, one moment. But to see to see that kind of jump in his velocity, that's significant. That's notable for Matthew Libertor. And like the Cardinals, the Cardinals are in on it. They think he's going to be good. Remember the Euros Arena trade. How long has John Mozeliak been hearing about how that didn't work out for him? And how long has you know, Libertor still been in the organization but just hasn't maybe lived up to the billing yet? This might, I'm, this might be the year he lives up to the building. That's what I'm going to say about Libertor. Like, they, he came in. I remember winter warm-up, and a lot of times guys talk at winter warm-up, and you're like, okay, sure, you're in the best shape of your life. That's great. I don't know. I got a different sense from Libertor that it was kind of like, yeah, I, I learned some things last year, and I want to have a bulldog mentality on the mound, and I didn't feel comfortable enough, I guess, to do it last year. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but I just felt talking to Libby that it was like, all right, bet. Like, let's see what you got this year. And the fact that he's doing it down in Memphis in a way that he didn't do in Memphis last year either. Like, last year they called him up to pitch some in St. Louis because they had to. They just, you know, they had a need. But it wasn't like his Memphis numbers were dictating that. He had like a 5 ERA in Memphis, had like a 5 ERA in St. Louis. He wasn't, you know, he struggled all year. He wasn't the pitcher that he had been. I think this year we're going to see the pitcher that he had been, the pitcher he's going to be. And so what that means is gets a cup of coffee this year, has enough innings because, like, the Palante issue is, I think Palante could be the caliber of pitcher to be in the rotation next year if 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 you had a uh, if you didn't go out and, and make some moves in free agency or trade. But at the same time, he's not going to get the innings. If he's a middle reliever for this team, he's not going to pitch enough innings to be able to start for next year's team. And so I feel like that sort of is why I'm going to exclude him from it right now. By midseason, we might see them say, hey, we're going to build up Palante. We want him to, to get innings. And then I might change my tune. But for now, that's the way I see it. But Libertor is going to have starters innings, whether he's here in St. Louis or in Memphis. So I think for sure by next year, I'll pencil Libby in. He'll probably be like the number five. Um, but I, I think the Cardinals are going to need to have confidence in some of those pitching prospects to make the move. And he's the most kind of experienced, seasoned of the group. And so I think he's in the rotation next year. I think it's too early for McGreevy. He's still at double A. Uh, I'm going to say too early for Graceffo, unless Gordon Graceffo just lights it up in Memphis as well and then is able to get a a cup of coffee and they like what they see. But I'm going to say no, not quite for Graceffel in the the 24 opening rotation, but I say he could get there by season's end uh, because it it always takes more than five. But that only leaves me three names so far, so that's a little tricky. I'm going to say, you know, Wainwright is not. I do think this will be his last year. Um, Jack Flaherty is not. I don't believe the Cardinals will re-sign him. I do not believe the Cardinals will re-sign Montgomery. Um, And the reason they didn't sign him in the offseason, to me, is the Scott Boris factor. Because if he goes out and has a, you know, sub-three ERA, which is possible, and throws close to 200 innings, which is possible, and wins 15-plus games, and strike out, you know, 180 or 200 guys, all those are possible. I'm not saying he's getting the Carlos Rodon contract, but that's the the way it can work for a guy who, uh, you know, has one great year right before free agency. You cash in, and if anybody's going to help him cash in, it's going to be Boris. So, yeah, I think that's why the Cardinals. He in like in some quotes you may have read, Jordan Montgomery sounded kind of miffed that the Cardinals didn't really engage in in terms of like an extension before the season, and said, you know, we had time to do it, and, and it didn't happen, so we're not going to have those talks in season. I think that I kind of rolled my eyes and said, okay, I mean, what else is Montgomery going to say? But also, he knows that there was not going to be an extension done. His agent would not have allowed that, right? He's going to, you know. So I, I think Montgomery's pitching for a bag. I think he's going to get a bag. I think he's a good pitcher and deserves a bag. I just don't know if it's going to be the Cardinals, you know, signing the check that gives him the bag. So I'm telling you a lot about who's not going to be in the rotation, and I, I've struggled to tell you who's going to be in it. I don't believe it's going to be Shohei Otani. Uh, just so you know, that's a lot of money, and uh, I don't think the Cardinals are gonna, going to dip their toe into that. Uh, let's see. Guys, we're talking about Lance Lynn. Uh I don't know. He's I mean Lance Lynn's going to probably be a workhorse for years to come because just the type that he that he is, just a bulldog. Um but I don't know if I see that. Um looking else, looking else. Do you wish the Cardinals had held on to Quintana despite the injury? At the time I said yes. I thought it was a mistake to let him go for the the money that he that he went for. But you know what? I was wrong because he does have that injury and maybe the Cardinals I don't know if they had any way to know about that, but maybe they just said, hey, we appreciated what he gave us, and it's going to be something where, you know, if the Mets want to sign him for that deal, that's great. We feel like we've got guys that are already penciled into our rotation, so we're good with where we are. And in retrospect, you know, it's fair to mention your misses, right? I was beating the drum and saying, Cardinals, just give him a couple of years, it's fine. And uh, I was wrong because it wouldn't have worked out, I think, if they did that at this point. So Shane Bieber would be great. So, yeah, we've got three starters that we're talking about. Michaelis, Mats, Libertor. I'm, I'm penciling him in. You're probably going to have to get somebody, whether it's a, a sign or a trade. And it would be nice if you're getting somebody of a Shane Bieber caliber, right? That would be good. Yeah, Waka and Senga. Uh, Kodai Senga for the Mets looks nasty, and Waka was really good tonight. So. Sorry, guys, I'm going to take a drink of water real quick so I can stop coughing. Uh, and then I'm going to answer Drew's question of what do I think Montgomery might get per year as a uh, salary. Um, What I need to do is check the age on Jordan Montgomery. I know he's like 30, 31, but I want to know like what type of 30, 31 he is. Okay. December 27th birthday. Um, So he'll, man, I looked at the 1992 and I was like, wait, 30. He's 1992. I was 94. I'm close to 30. Crap. Um, that was a jarring realization. Anyway, we'll gloss over that one. So Montgomery will be 31 when he pitches his first pitch of the 2024 baseball season, and he will assign his contract. It'll probably be like a five- or six-year contract. Uh, he'll probably want six. I think he can get five. It'll be more than $20 million per year. I think that, um, because I'm, I'm projecting a little bit uh, with that prediction, but I think he'll have a very good season for the Cardinals. Like, I think... By the end of the year, if Montgomery is your third best pitcher, you're really happy about that as a Cardinal fan because it means two other guys were better than him. And I think he's going to be like a three-and-a-half ERA, workhorse guy, get more strikeouts than you might think, pitch to the defense when he needs to. I think he's going to be pretty good. And so, yeah, I think he could get 22, $24 million a year, five-year contract. I hate doing the contract guessing game because people are going to hold me to that, and then his season's going to happen. And then you're going to go, oh, well, you idiot. Like, obviously, it's... It's this or it's that rather than what you said in April. But hopefully, you guys are going to bear with me and know that I'm just kind of putting myself on the limb. And based on what I expect him to do this year with the stat line I just described, yeah, I think there are a lot of teams who go, Oh, I'd love that in my rotation for the next five years. We'll give more than $20 million a year to get it. So I think five and a hundred, five and a hundred and ten, that wouldn't shock me. But again, he's got to have that season. If he goes out and pitches four and a half URA, now you're talking like, you know, Maybe not those numbers. So, but I'm predicting a good season for Montgomery, and so I'm baking that into my my contract. I do think he gets a, a nine figure deal. I think he can get a hundred million dollars. I think he'll have the season in 23 that allows him to do so. Um, but also, you got to figure out okay, what's the market going to be like, etc. Odds on Tinkens making the 24 rotation n- low for me, Dominic. Not because I don't think he has a very bright future, but I think just the the roster graduation math is against him on that, especially out of spring. Um, Could he make a debut in 24? Uh, Yes. Yes, he could make a debut in 24. Um, But still a young guy, right? 20 years old. He's pitching right now in high A, I believe, to begin the year. Yeah, and looks good. I mean, had a a four-inning outing, didn't give up any runs, uh, gave up one hit and two walks with six Ks. So he'll be in double A this year. And then it'll be a case of coming into spring training next year he'll be like all right probably start at AAA and that's assuming he goes on like the the Jordan Walker the Mason Wynn trajectory of i'm just going to be good at every level which is not always what happens progression is not always linear for prospects so let's say he gets to double A and gets you know has a has some good moments but isn't just lighting them up in double A because if he is people are going to start freaking out in a very good way so let yeah let's just say he goes to double A and i think he'll be at, you know, begin 2024 between double and triple a. And then if he continues to prove himself, he can pitch in 24 in St. Louis, but to start the rotation out of the, out of the gate, I don't believe that one is going to happen. I feel like they could pull off a trade for Bieber. That's realistic. Says Rodney. Hey, Rodney, I appreciate you for, uh, for joining and for commenting. Um, It's, it'll cost him a pretty penny. I don't know what Shane Bieber's contract situation is. I think he's got one more year after this year, if I'm not mistaken. So, I'd have, to, I'd have to go look, and I know he's in arbitration now, so uh, at most he would have two more years, 24 and 25, but I think he's done after 24. But you would obviously want to extend him if you're going to make a trade for somebody. But, like, I don't know. The Guardians always seem to find their way into contention more often than not, and so I, I get the situation because they're a small market team that has historically not been able to sign long-term their big names, and so people would be expecting him to walk in for agency the Guardians might say, hey, we want to get something for him before that happens. Totally understand. That's why he's been a guy that's been talked about in terms of uh, the, the trade market. The Cardinals could get him, but again, who are the Cardinals? Who is John Mozella going to give up for Shane Bieber? You want to give up a pitching prospect? It'll probably cost you a, like a Grisefo or a McGreevy, and if McGreevy doesn't have a great season, maybe that's not somebody that they're really eyeing in, in Cleveland. Uh, you'll probably have to give up some of the really quality depth that I feel like they have in, in terms of position players. So, Yes, I think it's realistic to target a guy like Shane Bieber. Uh, I don't know what the Cardinals would want to do for a long-term contract there. Like, Keep looking at the pitching contracts they've actually signed, not the ones that they've offered like a David Price, but the ones they've signed. It's always these shorter extensions. It's the bring in Miles Michaels from overseas, see how it looks, and then go, okay, yeah, we'll do a few more years. They, they've they been very cautious with like unloading on the long, long-term pitching contract because a lot of times, what do pitchers do? They get injured. And so... It's the other side of that coin, though, is you never know who your rotation is going to be in 2024. I'm the guy that's copying out of it because I've said three names and everybody knows you have five in a rotation and I haven't given you the other names yet. It, there's a reason. I'm still thinking. I'm, I'm hoping that somebody in the comments is going to give me the answer because I don't have it right now. Um, Pelante needs to be stretched out. I agree. Like, I think if you don't have more, and yes, J the Bucky's hat. They're not paying for this stream. There's no advertising but from Bucky's, but I do love Bucky's. So they get the free advertising on this one. Um he does have upside. I really like Polante. I think he's got the good he's got the demeanor to be a, a major league starting pitcher. And so I would like to see him get that chance, I think. Zach Thompson's another guy that I I, I think the Cardinals are going to end up needing him too much in the the bullpen as their their go to lefty. Maybe Cabrera can like resume that role and look good again now that he's been called up for uh, for Packy. But I think they're going to just need Zach Thompson so much that he's never going to get the chance to start. And I would like to see him get the chance to start because I think he could be great. But alas, I, I think he's just going to be where he is. But man, I don't know. Palante, I think I loved his demeanor in the way he went about it as a starter last year, especially without like a lot of lead-up. Nobody expected him to be starting games for the Cardinals and, and holding his own the way he did last year. So... I I would like to see him in the rotation. But until he gets sent to AAA to stretch out or they just do it at the big league level, they make him an opener, they say he pitches three innings, then next time four, and then until they start taking those steps, I can't predict that he'll be in the rotation next year, speaking about Palante. Uh, But I do really like his game. I'm a a big fan of Palante. Uh, I just see now that Corey had said the number one starter will be Shohei. I don't think so. Uh, so Jake Woodford, let's talk about him. He could be in the rotation next year, but he's got to have to not get knocked out of the rotation this year in order to be considered for the rotation next year. Um, I would say coming into spring, he was not somebody that you would have at all predicted to be in the rotation in 24, just because of the way the Cardinals had handled him. It just wasn't seeming like they were super high on him in his future. I am still thinking that he made a step forward this year, and it's one that they're hoping is able to stick. We'll wait and see if it does. Um Brent. my guess is Walker and Newt are solid in the outfield, so are Burleson and D.C., Tyler playing to stay, and others on the table for a trade uh, for a guy like Bieber. So, yeah, like you could trade an outfielder, but if other teams know that these outfielders are kind of your castoffs, the guys that you don't think you need, uh, spare parts, so to speak, are they really trading Shane Bieber for that guy? Probably not. You got to consider the needs of the Guardians as well. They're probably going to want younger, more controllable assets, right? Because in Shane Bieber's case, why would you trade him if he's great? Well, the reason you, you trade him is because you don't think you can sign him long-term. Well, Tyler O'Neill is toward the end of his his team control. Um, Burleson is very early on in his team control. Um, they, t- they tend to like athletic outfielders in terms of their defensive ability. I don't know if Burleson would be a fit for them. I could see the Guardians being interested in a Dylan Carlson, though, and a guy that's still got several years remaining before free agency. Um, but I don't think just a Carlson for Bieber deal gets done. You're going to have to give up some premier pitching prospects, and sometimes those pitching prospects turn into the guys you wish you hadn't traded away, Alcantara, Zach Gallon. So it's within every Cardinals fan's right to dream up a Shane Bieber trade. I'm just saying, be careful with the prospects that you do trade um, because you got to be right. you got to hope that you trade somebody that's just kind of meh and uh, you don't trade the guys that turn into All-Stars or Cy Youngs um, because that's what Sandy did. Ooh, Trevor, I like it. Drewver Hagen in next year's rotation. It's the same thing though with the innings. Um, if he gets a chance this year and looks good, yeah, they'll sign him to a deal and he'll be in the rotation. But I don't think he'll get the innings. I think they're going to need him in the bullpen. Same thing with the uh, the Zach Thompson deal. Uh, somebody come up with a name for me that's going to be in the twenty four rotation. Uh, Austin says if Jake Woodford starts the game that he's at, he'll cry. Don't don't count Jake Woodford out just yet. I'm just saying. And thank you. I think on on Bieber he's an arb two, so next year should be arb three. Um, and J-Rose says that the 2025 season has promise with Win Libby, Hintz, maybe McGreevy, maybe uh, Cooper, Jerpy. Here's what I'll say about Wynn. The Y is in his first name. Mason with a Y, Win with an I. Last name Win, W-I-N-N. It's like all I do is Win, but then add one more N. I feel like I have to just, that's like my, my personal mission is so everybody knows the Y is in the first name. Um, so yeah, it sounds like we don't have a lot of, and this is what the Cardinals are experiencing too. I've named three guys that I think are starters. One of them is currently in AAA and that's your 2024 rotation. They'll have to sign somebody. It's hard to speculate about who they'll sign, but they'll sign somebody and they'll probably have a Woodford or push a Graceffo or convert a Palante or convert a Zach Thompson. Those are kind of where I stand. So I'll go Michaelis, Mats liberator free agent to be named slash Shane Bieber slash trade target to be named later. And then a competition between the Woodfords, the Palantes, the Zach Thompson's, the can Graceffo make the leap. That's what it looks like right now. Do I think the Cardinals will ultimately go in with that? No, I think they'll trade for somebody and then sign somebody else so that when they get into spring, it's like, all the young guys are competing for the, the spot that I just gave to Libertor. So it's Libertor, it's Grisefo, it's Tink Hence, It's all those guys competing for the one spot because you, you always are going to like your depth and you're going to like your pitching prospects. But if too many of those guys are like, if you set up your rotation to where you need a bunch of them to jump in and, and take a job, hello, cat, jump in and take a job for right away, then that's a problem. You have to set things up so that it's like those guys are bonus bats, except for bonus arms. That's the way I think the Cardinals would need to set it up. And so I think they probably would. All right, Brent's getting into some hypothetical trades, so I'll get into a little bit of that. We're coming up on about 51 minutes. Uh, If you haven't liked the stream, if you have not followed or subscribed to the channel, do that, please, uh, before we get out of here because uh, it really helps me if you do. Let's see, though. I'll I'll read your, uh, your hypothetical, Brent. Burleson, Edmund, McGreevy for Gallon and Chafin. What do you think? Uh, I think that it would be very painful to trade for a guy like Zach Gallen after you had him already. I don't see John Bozalek doing it. Uh, you want Granky in the rotation. Thank you, Austin, for that. That's special. I like Mike Soroka. I'm surprised. Is he like in the minors right now? Kind of surprising. Uh, Giolito would be great. The problem is that's Jack Flaherty's buddy. So if you want to keep Flaherty inside Giolito, I'm cool with that. That'd be awesome. Um, but... but I don't know, George Kirby, man. He's like team controlled for for days, and he's really good. So, so Seattle's not trading him. Although if there were a GM that would trade a guy like that, it's Depoto. Uh, he's Seattle's guy, right? So I guess it's possible, but no, nah, George Kirby's. They don't have any reason to trade him at all. I don't think there's any reason at all to do that. All right, I'm making through. I haven't missed any questions. I am gonna r- wind things down a little bit here. So if you've got a big, in, if you've got a huge question. Let me know what it is. Um, I drew. I had been talking about a Mon- Montgomery extension. Um, really, I'm just predicting his free agency contract. Earlier, when I was talking, the five years and one ten, one hundred million dollars. Uh, he's not going to get extended by the Cardinals. He's a Boris client. He's going to go into free agency, and you know they're going to test the waters there. But I think his season will be good enough for the Cardinals that he will earn himself that kind of big deal, nine figure contract in free agency. That's sort of my prediction. Uh, Bobby Miller, Gavin Stone. Like, why would the Dodgers be trading Bobby Miller? That's my thing. Um, I, you could always do it, but you're going to have to give up pieces that hurt to do it, is my belief. Greg, if Libby and Plante are both there, who's four, who's five? Oh, who cares? It's so far away from now. Like, this year, for instance, Steven Matz was the fifth guy to pitch, but I think they just wanted to break up the righties and lefties differently, and so Woodford pitched fourth. Does that mean he's their number four if they start a playoff series today? No. I would still think Mats would be above Jake Woodford. So um, I don't know. Between Libertor and Palante, I have no idea what they would do. But the four versus five, that's more of like a regular season order thing. Um, we're very far removed from having to talk about a 2024 playoff rotation. So I don't really know about that. Is Edmund a trade deadline possibility if wind balls out this year? Uh, I maintain what I said about the Cardinals not needing to trade anybody because depth is good. More good players is better than fewer good players. I will say, though, could I see a world in which Tommy Edmond is just collecting his wins above replacement, playing really good shortstop defense, playing really well and hitting against lefties, struggling a little bit against righties to where the Cardinals go? I wonder if we have more upside doing this a different way and a team is willing to give a stud starting pitcher with Edmund as the centerpiece going back the other way. Could I see us living in that world at some point? That wouldn't stun me to my core. Uh, but I don't think the Cardinals are looking to trade Tommy Edmond just because Mason Wynn exists, no. But if another team was like Tommy Edmond, like think of the Luis Arias trade. He went from the Twins to the Marlins for Pablo Lopez. And Lopez is the kind of starter that the Cardinals were, you know, maybe rumored to be in on, and he would have really helped the rotation. Like really good young starter, controllable for a couple of years. Arias is kind of very similar to Edmund in that plays solid defense, but a really, really good hitter. And maybe if he shows a little more power, an even better hitter than they thought. And the Marlins were willing to give up a really good pitcher for a couple of years of control for rise And so that would be like where the comp would be for Edmond if a team out there exists that would want Edmond in that way. But I don't know that the Cardinals are really thinking that way because they really like Tommy Edmund um, in, in their infield. But when you've got a Brendan Donovan and you do have a Mason Wynn on the way, I understand the question. It eventually does become a factor. But for now... I think they're just enjoying the depth because it's nice to have and uh, they're, they're making sure that Mason Wynn gets the seasoning that he needs in AAA uh, because when he gets here, he should be an everyday player and simply they don't have a spot for him right now. Trevor wants Dylan Cease. The final word on the day will be that that's not going to happen. So sorry, Trevor, but thank you guys for joining me. I am going to wrap the stream up right here. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, uh, Spotify as well for b Shave Daily YouTube Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. Subscribe to all my stuff because it helps me if you do. Thank you guys so much. We'll do some more of these as we go along. And uh, if there was anything that I did not cover that you would like to see covered, you want my take on it, at bshafer12, just send me a direct message on Twitter and we'll hook you up. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Have a great evening. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Peace.